Welcome everybody to this week's Crypto Internet Show, which is our weekly series talking about everything stacks, the broader ecosystem, and building on Bitcoin layers. Uh, if again, this is your first time tuning in, uh, we'll be doing a Q&A, a full conversation with all of our speakers today for the first half. The second half will come to you all for questions. So hold those questions at the end, raise your hand, we'll bring as many as we can up on stage to ask questions in real time. I'm your host today, Kyle Ellicott, partner at Stacks Ventures, and am joined by our regular speaking panel. We'll have Maneeb here from Trust Machines in just a moment. We've got Brittany from the Stacks Foundation and Patrick from Freehold and also representing the CityCoins community. In addition, we have our special guests, Aki and Matt, the co-founders of DLC. Dot link. Today's topic, we're going to be speaking about using native Bitcoin in Stacks decentralized applications or apps via DLCs, discrete log contracts. We're going to get all into those from a non-technical to a technical level. So if you've been hearing this term DLCs or seen it tossed around a lot lately, we are going to cover quite a bit. So strap in, get ready. We've got a fun episode for you. Matt, welcome to the stage. Real quick, mic check for us, if you could. Sure thing. Nice to be here. Excited. Uh, all right. We got you. Okay. Well, everyone knows Patrick, Brittany, and Maneeb, so let's introduce today's guest. Matt, first, a quick introduction, and then Aki, just a quick 30 seconds to the community who may not know you. Sure thing. Hi, everyone. My name's Matt. Been working with DLC.link since about January. Met Aki um locally here in uh new york city and i currently function as the uh kind of product development um sales slash engineer uh on the team so happy to be here and ready to answer any questions we got awesome glad to have you on here as an engineer we got a lot of technical questions for you uh, as well matt so get ready aki a uh, quick 30 seconds for those who may not know you yes yes uh nice to see uh, some of you I've, I've met others i haven't yeah, quick thing. My name is Aki. I actually went to the same community college <laughs> that Kyle went to as well. So we, we share that oddly. But um, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I've uh, been writing code since I was nine. Uh, founded my first startup eight, nine years ago, um, an AI company called Market Muse, and, and had an interesting run and wanted to build other products that benefit society. And I think Bitcoin is you know, uh, is the best way to do that. So looking forward to, to helping us get some more utility out of it. Hey, Kyle, do you mind if we invite up uh, WoBuddy in the audience just because he's working directly with uh, Bitcoin as well and has spoken to both these guys? Yeah, absolutely. WoBuddy, uh, if you can, just request to be a speaker and we'll do our best. I can't Thanks. find you at the moment. Um, Shannon, I, I, I got it. you off right there. Okay, thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Um, Aki, Matt, let's set the stage for everybody. Uh, what are discrete log contracts or DLCs? Let's start with a non-technical understanding of what those may be, and then I want to get a little deeper. But first, top level, what are DLCs? Yeah, basically, in short, um, DLCs are a technology that was invented originally four years ago at MIT by Taj, who co-founded the Lightning Network, but they became much more feasible with Taproot because it introduced some capabilities that, uh, you know, make it uh, more practical and, and faster. And uh, essentially, DLCs, I, I like to describe it as a Bitcoin escrow contract. So you can basically lock Bitcoin in escrow in your own wallet. It's really... I mean, I don't know if this is too technical. It's really a two of three multi-sig where one of the parties is an independent oracle. And so just like an escrow contract, you have a party and a counterparty and you have an escrow agent that's just making sure that, you know, uh, that that's basically uh, attesting to the outcome that happens. So it's just like an escrow contract in the real world. And it really enables all kinds of conditional payments just using native Bitcoin. Let's go a level deeper. And you started already into the technicals on that, and maybe we'll pull Matt on this. What does this mean as a 
on the developer side. We've got a lot of developers and engineers that are in the audience and a part of the community. So go a level deeper. Now we know that this is the DLCs focus around Bitcoin escrow contracts. We've got multi-sigs involved with an independent third party, but go a level deeper. What does this mean for those that are developing or building applications uh, within Stacks or Bitcoin? Sure, I think I can answer that. So as Aki mentioned that what DLCs do is enable conditional Bitcoin payments and um, kind of up until now, the third party here has always been considered a human or um, some other single point of uh, trust. So one level deeper is what this enables developers to do is to manage that opening and closing or these events that trigger Bitcoin moving from smart contracts. So as a developer, instead of having to say to someone, hey, could you click a button on your computer when you're awake to help me move this Bitcoin over or make be the referee of this conditional Bitcoin payment, what developers and people can now do is handle that through smart contracts. So that opens up a plethora of ways to programmatically move Bitcoin between two parties. Um, and it kind of gives a little bit more flavor of, like I said, these, these escrowing, um, these escrow use cases, so. And Matt, why is that important? Why would someone want to do that from an from a developer side or even application side? Why would someone want uh, to make that type of transaction happen? I think it's kind of the ethos of DeFi and making money programmable. So what, I mean, similar to Stacks is doing with making um, a layer of programmable money for Bitcoin um, and promoting the user-owned internet, what we're kind of enabling here is making Bitcoin being able to be moved and um, orchestrated by the individual users. So um, that's that's the way I would like to describe it. I'm not sure if Aki has any other points to make there, but it's really just giving power to the user here um, and, and bringing that ability to have something that is your own, like your Bitcoin, and move it in a way that you feel comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of double click on, on that, it, this is the, the big advantage of using a DLC is that it is you know, self-custodied, it's self-sovereign. All of the methods of, you know, bridging or wrapping Bitcoin, all the ways of using Bitcoin on other networks to date has involved sending your Bitcoin somewhere else, uh, just as kind of the first step. And, and then, of course, you're entrusting know a custodian and the, since the whole point of bitcoin is that it's decentralized you know that it, 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 it you know it lets you own your own assets as soon as you send it to a single custodian it can get hacked uh you know it, they can make mistakes with it the, the company the custodian could you know blow up or go away you know any anything can happen there could be you know government interference uh as well so you know, it, this is really a, a really good way to extend the um, kind of the, the benefits of Bitcoin while getting, you know, more utility around the Bitcoin that people and institutions hold. And Aki, Matt, one of those, one of the, those utilities or unlocks that you both have previously talked about is also around Bitcoin liquidity. Could you maybe share a little bit more as to how DLCs start to open up this untapped, in some ways, um, Bitcoin liquidity that we talk a lot about here on the Crypto Internet Show? Absolutely, and it's super exciting. If you're if you're a user, your value, you know, the value you get you from DLCs is that you can use your Bitcoin elsewhere. If you're an app developer, it means that once you are able to take uh, to accept DLCs or, or you know, open DLCs and, and work with users, you can really, you get access to this huge, huge pool of, of Bitcoin uh, liquidity. I mean, Bitcoin is still, even today, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it sometimes reading the news, uh, but Bitcoin is still number one. It is, you know, it has benefits uh, that, I mean, I guess I'm preaching to the crowd here. We all, you know, we all firmly believe in. And, and just the ability to access that. But basically, I think of Bitcoin as the largest pool of um, underutilized collateral in the history of humankind with, without being too lofty. It, it really is. Uh, and, and as Bitcoin grows and gets more adopted, you know, Bitcoin obviously is also typically the first kind of gateway experience that people have with crypto. So just the ability to reach users who have that crypto 
uh, or yet, you know, that Bitcoin is great. And then secondly, um, it, it lets app developers uh, access a pool or an audience that they traditionally could not. I mean, when you look at the, you know, traditional way of using Bitcoin, you know, on ETH, it's wrap Bitcoin, but wrap Bitcoin is, you know, 1% right now of, of all Bitcoin. And so there's, you know, 99% of Bitcoin holders that presumably don't feel comfortable, you know, wrapping it. And so, you know, we're just able to uh, to let app developers reach an audience that otherwise, you know, goes up underserved. Yeah, I wanna I wanna chime in here a little bit. Like, if you look at the the past, I would say three four years uh, of development in Bitcoin, like let's just call it like 2017 onwards. I think there is a growing tendency in the Bitcoin circles. Uh, to accept custodial solutions, to accept uh, federated solutions, and which which is like you know not completely in line with the original ethos of the project, right? Like Bitcoin started off as a decentralized project, uh, as a as a project that enabled users to take custody of their assets and not to introduce like you know custodians in the middle or or uh, Federations in the middle. So when when I look at technologies like DLCs, uh, Lightning, or or Stacks, uh, you know, I I look at them as enabling technologies mostly for developers that are really giving uh, an alternative uh, to to custodians uh, to to federations. Right. So uh, you get these things in the hand of developers and then let them develop uh, you know, all sorts of applications where the users are in control. And I think that, that trend in general is very, very important because by default, we're actually noticing that um, outside of Bitcoin, there are kind of like better options available for users to do self-custody or to be able to do interesting things with their assets straight from their wallet and, uh, and, and so on. And I, I think that is something that we need to that trend is something that we need to reverse, right? Like Bitcoin being the kind of like most decentralized, most secure chain and the largest asset absolutely needs to have like these solutions uh, where, you know, developers are able to build these things and then users are able to, able to use them. That's a great point, Maneev. And one of the questions I wanted to bring up uh, in addition to that and is why are DLCs important to stacks or four stacks and also maybe more broadly the bitcoin layers and things again that we've been talking about so often so um Maneve, jason Brittany, patrick would love to hear from all of you first and then aki and, and matt i want to come to you guys on a similar but slightly different question so um Maneve, patrick Brittany, jason i'll let whoever wants to go first on that one but again why are dlc's important to stacks and especially as we have stacks uh, and hyper, uh, stacks upgrade coming soon, and also hyperchains in the works. So, why are these now important more than ever? Yeah, so I think there there are a couple of things there, right? So if you, if you think of uh, like the Bitcoin main chain and then a bunch of Bitcoin layers, stacks is a, um, a Bitcoin layer, and right now the main kind of like connection to Bitcoin is in two ways, right? Like one is that all the contracts on stacks can read. Bitcoin information, which is interesting. Like you can do a Bitcoin transaction and that triggers some logic on the stack side. And the second thing is, uh, you know, POX consensus, like how the consensus works, you're settling uh, data on the, on the Bitcoin chain and uh, miners on the Bitcoin side uh, are reacting to stacks logic, right? The, the third thing that we would really want to enable is uh, rights from the, from the stacks there. So if you're, uh, if you have some logic that can actually trigger a Bitcoin transaction on the on the Bitcoin side, that could be very very interesting, and and potentially DLCs have one solution. There is some in another line of work happening um, where this problem this problem has like multiple solutions. Uh, people are kind of like working on them in parallel, but DLCs present one potential solution as well. Uh, so that's that's super interesting because that that kind of like uh, you know let's say that the DLC based solution takes off. That means DLCs ended up playing a pretty important role in completing the picture. Now the the smart contracts on the stack layer can both read and also write back uh, to Bitcoin, which is a pretty 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 interesting property. Uh, otherwise, I would say in general, if you zoom out a little bit, uh, DLCs 
are kind of like so they're operating mostly at the Bitcoin main chain, right? Like there's some off-chain state, right? So they're in many ways complementary, right? So if they because DLCs don't have a, a global ledger, the Stacks layer does have a, a, a global ledger. So it's I, I think of that as almost like a another tool in the box, right? Whereas Stacks is not trying to do Stacks contract and not trying to directly uh, do Bitcoin transactions where DLCs are, right? So it, in, in many ways, they're kind of like directly complementary to each other. Uh, and they're, they're kind of like trying to do different things. But if you uh, if you give more tools to, to developers and they can use them however they see fit in their application and their applications end up being more powerful. Uh, type. So I think that, that that's how kind of like look at, look at how DSEO can work with, uh, with the stack there. Yeah, I think um, complementary is definitely um, the right term here. Um, we, like Jason and I, have been looking at DLCs for uh, for unlocking a new potential uh, funding uh, sort of method with Bitcoin. And um, it's possible that you know, people who are building new protocols could have them funded through something like a DLC, uh, a DLC based uh, daily auction in raw Bitcoin. I think just the ability to skip a step of wrapping Bitcoin is really nice. Um, you can even have the Bitcoin potentially be sent to over magic bridge uh, into wrapped Bitcoin if you need to after the fact. But, um, I think getting access to Bitcoin capital for funding new things that people want to see in the world is 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 pretty cool too, and DLCs can unlock that. Yeah, and I'll I'll definitely add to that too because it's been something we've been researching across all the different options and the different things available now, and and DLCs have a nice appeal because if you if you look at what is going on between Stacks and Bitcoin now, the fact that they're tied together uh, gives us a unique advantage, and you know it also gives us a chance to like solidify what the Stacks and Bitcoin relationship is. So if we go into that, the future is multi-chain type thinking. Stacks and Bitcoin together, how can we get the two to operate? We've had things like SIP7, Catabran swaps, Magic Bridge, LN swap, but DLC had that unique ability of being able to um, take an extra automatic step. Like a lot of times when you're dealing with um, a Magic Bridge transfer, for example, you have to at some point reveal the secret that allows the funds to move. Um, this would allow that to happen automatically by an oracle. So it gives you some new abilities and some new tools, much like Maneep was mentioning, to build um, even better interactions between the two chains. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of innovation that can also come out of this for developers. So I think it's really exciting uh, for people who think about any type of payment or co contracts in their applications or what's possible with that. Um, you know, there's this sort of thinking of like what happens when you add automatic payments with things like AI and being able to like negotiate between machinery or other contracts. And there's not really an easy way to do that now. Um, this is like kind of removing a, a human from the loop. And I think that's going to create really interesting use cases. Too cute. <laughs> I, I like have a baby joining, my daughter is joining Twitter spaces. She's a big fan of DLCs. <laughs> we have a surprise guest this is great um aki and and matt uh, a similar question and, and kind of a playoff of a key word that jason just threw out there is why as a company and, and founders did you choose the stacks ecosystem to begin uh, this work around dlc.link and the reason i ask in a recent interview uh, you mentioned how you did kick things off with Chainlink and uh, got a grant from the Chainlink community to begin DLC work. Uh, and curious, furthermore, is now how do oracles or could oracles play uh, with DLCs, as Jason mentioned that keyword. So maybe why stacks and, and how Chainlink plays a role and then oracles, DLCs, how they will uh, yeah, inevitably I work together. Absolutely. I mean, just to maybe if you don't mind, I'll switch the order a little bit just chronologically. Um, because we knew that DLCs require oracles, and we can imagine that different 
there are different types of oracles and we could benefit from, you know, having price feeds and, and other non-financial data sources too. Uh, and Chainlink, you know, is, is a recognized brand. Um, we applied there first and we were so lucky that Will from the foundation uh, saw, um, when, when they gave us a grant, they published a blog post and tweeted it. We're so lucky that Will saw that in the same day and invited us to build on Stacks. We had seen the Stacks kind of website briefly, but we just didn't know enough about it to, to, to have just, uh, you know, to, to take the initiative. Um, but when we, when we came here, I mean, from day one, the reception has been tremendous. And I would say that, you know, the two biggest advantages we've enjoyed at Stacks, are, there are many, but maybe the two biggest are one, just the warm, you know, welcoming uh, community that has really helped us uh, frankly, articulate the the opportunity and its applications, even just for our own understanding. You know, we learned so much from from talking to everybody here. And secondly, I would say the the philosophy and the professionalism of of the people at Stacks, because you know, crypto. I was pretty surprised, kind of coming into this space <laughs> as a new new person late last year. I was surprised by how much kind of philosophy and maybe even religion <laughs> can drive conversations here and can uh, versus, you know, logic and, and, you know, meritocracy and so on. And I, you know, even uh, in this conversation, you know, Stacks is a place where, you know, there's where all opinions are, are you know, people are open to all opinions. Um, you know, we, there's a focus on, you know, helping developers and helping users gain the most utility, um, regardless of, of kind of where that happens. And, and, that's, and that's been, you know, that's been tremendous because uh, there are just different competing philosophies elsewhere. Uh, so um, I, I would say that the, the combination of community support and the open mindedness and, and just the you know, the ability to kind of see the big picture that we're all building toward, uh, that's been, you know, that, that's been tremendous. Uh, in addition to all the technical you know, advantages of Stacks and Clarity, uh, you know, having more abilities on Bitcoin than, you know, than other, other uh, uh, you know, competing approaches. And, and Matt and Aki, when it comes to that crossover with oracles again going back to chain link how will dlcs or could dlcs play a role with or maybe aside oracles in some way absolutely so oracles in general i mean the word oracle really just refers to you know any kind of third-party data source that's not on a blockchain so when we talk about the oracle that sits in a dlc we actually have started calling it a dlc oracle because it is a different Although it attests, uh, it is a third party that attests to an event, but it's different from the type of oracles that we see with Redstone or Chainlink. Um, specifically, for the pilots that we're supporting at Stacks, we're supporting them on Redstone. Um, our first kind of step, because we had come from that, you know, Chainlink, you know, grant background, our first step here was to try to build a, you know, production-ready uh, Chainlink uh, Oracle adapter to Stacks. And we've run into some challenges there. It's, I guess, not a new problem. It's been kind of a known issue for, for a while. We're still working on that. And we have, we're trying to use the relationship that we have with Chainlink to just, you know, find find opportunities. But but in the meantime, just given that the, the technical requirement that our pilots need is to have a price feed, uh, we've just been working with Redstone and we've been maintaining our Redstone Clarity contract and, and it's been working great uh, so far. So um, really what an Oracle, you know, adding, a, let's take the case of a price feed Oracle where you're taking, you know, Bitcoin, USD price pairs, the ability to to just know what the price of Bitcoin is in USD at, at a given point in time is, is essential for something like Arcadico as a lending platform so they can determine the, you know, the collateralization ratios and the loan to value ratio and things like that. Um, so that's just basically price feed oracles enable more sophisticated architectures. If, if the application is doing something that's just denominated in Bitcoin, you, you know, you might not need that. But, but there are other applications that require non-financial data sources. Uh, for example, we're t talking to a, 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 an escrow company that wants to look at you know, court 
uh, rulings and use that information in determining Nevesco outcomes. And that could also be fed into oracles, but it would be just you know a, a different data source and a different kind of formulation of the oracle you know problem. Matt, Jason, anything to add on a, on a deeper technical level on that as well? I mean, I think Aki, that was a perfect explanation, but Matt, Jason, anything to add further on that? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Aki uh, quite very well just explained, like we like to be calling them DLC oracles because what our DLC Oracle functions as is a communication layer and abstraction layer to kind of let the user or the developer choose what their source of Oracle and the data Oracle sense terms are. So, you know, as Aki mentioned in using Redstone for prices, um, you know, I think going back to one of the points about why we were so eager to work with Stacks was that uh, Stacks is the, is the closest thing to to Bitcoin smart, I mean, they're Bitcoin smart contracts. So we obviously wanted to look to them to say, oh, well, you guys are already integrating so nicely with Bitcoin. Um, is there a way to help, you know, augment the functionality that the Stacks developers can have? And, you know, so far we've been very blessed with a lot of uh, pilots and a lot of ideas coming from Stacks applications and startups um, and different ideas. And yeah, I guess from a, from a technical point of view, um, you know, having the a stack smart contract act as the oracle really brings that true conditional payment or true um, escrow uh, ability to the user and the developers so that's all i would say i would add to that yeah so that was that was an interesting discussion i think i had maybe some months ago about uh clarity contracts potentially being oracles for dlcs i would love to hear more recent updates about it? Like, you know, what type of applications are they seeing? Are there are there any technical challenges there in terms of using a Clarity contract as a as an Oracle in DLCs? I think right now our, our main focus and technical hurdles are the signing capabilities of these transactions, similar to how, you know, a, a user inter, uh, interacts with the Clarity smart contract and then uh, pays gas fees and to have that included into a uh, Bitcoin block where it gets anchored and the security of the Bitcoin network is used to secure the, uh, the smart contract, the contract or the logic that's being executed right now with DLCs, um, as they are on the, as they are on mainnet and lightning can be a little different and we can talk about that later. Maybe, um, the technical challenge is that because we're giving the user that, that sovereign, that control over who they want their Bitcoin to be moved to or why they would want their Bitcoin to be moved to a certain party. Um, the challenges with that is that means the user has to be there and has to sign and attest to it. Um, you know, we don't look at this, we don't look at this as so much of a hurdle, but rather a feature. And that if we are able to kind of solve or make a more frictionless um, user interface for doing these signing transactions, um, then you have the, then you give the user the power to to attest to all certain outcomes um, with nothing unknown, no uncertainties involved, and that's 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 really powerful over there. Um, but really, yeah, I think I think that the most technical turtle right now is just the wallet signing and having the counterparty known on the onset. But you know, we are working around, uh, we are working through a different ways of of seeing where uh, the uh, the counterparty of a DLC could be an Oracle network, a series of nodes. Um, or even other actors on the on the Stacks blockchain. So that's kind of in the works now. The other the other challenge. So on the signing side, and, and there's kind of a related issue around private key management on the application layer, which we're just kind of learning into. But on the signing side, we, we we've seen other solutions elsewhere in the Bitcoin community around you know the line signing or remote signing or so on, but we, 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 we feel that there is a way to automate that, but we haven't, uh, you know, we're still kind of building the first prototype uh, that will, you know, really require all the pieces to be there and kind of requires to clarify some of these design decisions. So that's, that's one part of it. The, the other tactical blocker that we, uh, well, not blocker, but hurdle that we didn't expect to hit, uh, but we're working through right now is just the the, uh, basically, in order to use a DLC, the user has to be using a Bitcoin wallet that supports DLC signing extensions. And there's one wallet uh, that has been developed over the last couple of years that's I would call more of an academic example of, of a Bitcoin wallet. It's from a company called Sherbit that has been you know, driving a lot of DLC 
kind of thought leadership and development over the years. But that but that wallet is not really um, you know commonly used, of course. And and so we're looking to build this these signing extensions into more and more wallets. We're working with Hero, of course, and are looking to build it into the Hero wallet. That would be a huge win, uh, hopefully over the next uh, coming quarters. Uh, and then we're looking to potentially either feature our own wallet or just build it into some popular wallets. Uh, and, and our thesis is that uh, wallet, the, the, the development teams that are that are maintaining these wallets would be naturally incented to want to be able to sign for DLCs because it, it, it expands their utility and it lets them increase their customer base. But just today, nobody has really built an easy way to integrate this this signature flow into a wallet. So we're we're kind of I don't want to say we're pioneering it, but we're we're working with uh, you know members of the DLC community and trying to just solve the problem in a in a kind of a in a practically you know practical kind of you know solvable way in the very short term to be able to kind of move to the next you know next steps. And so we're very very much focused on you know the Bitcoin wallet. Hey Aki, a quick question for you: When, when you say wallet that's willing to sign for. Uh, wallet willing to sign in for the DLC. What does that mean? Uh, we talked in the early about a multi-sig process to, with two people with a third party, a trusted third party involved. So what do you mean when you say a wallet that's willing to sign? Yes, yes. So what I meant is uh, there's sort of two parts to it. Um, one is the ability for the wallet to receive a DLC, you know, to, to walk, the, the, there's a DLC signing flow that has you know, a number of steps in there and the, the ability for the, the wallet to, to be able to just handle that flow. And then secondly, kind of the user experience around it. So as the end user, I open up my Bitcoin wallet, I connect it to, you know, Arcadico, I want to do one of these, you know, self-custody loans. And, and I need to be, so Arcadico needs to present me a contract that I can sign. And that contract would outline kind of the terms of the DLC, if you will. And, and I need to actually sign that in the wallet uh, in order to establish the escrow that will then hold the Bitcoin that I'm using in that, you know, for that agreement. Got it. Thank you. And, and Matt, I do want to come back on your point around lightning and some of the different challenges that exist on that side of a Bitcoin layer, following Maneev's original question about clarity contracts as oracles for DLC. So could you maybe go a little bit more in depth around stacks versus lightning and DLCs and how that's, how that's presenting some different challenges? Yeah, sure. I think I'll, I'll just quickly revisit the point of stacks being an oracle in a traditional DLC. How are, how are contract works now. Um, we have a instance of our DLC opening and closing um, Clarity smart contract that does that does just that. Um, you call it via a smart contract call on, on on stacks and it opens a DLC with the outcomes being you either receive you know party A and party B in this DLC. Um, think of it in the traditional Alice and Bob. Um, you can use a smart contract to open a DLC that either closes when it's called by another, a second smart contract on Stacks to either move all the funds to Alice or move all the funds to Bob. Um, being And either side of those, either Alice or Bob can um, fund the transaction. Um, so right then and there, you're kind of giving the, the outcome as like there is only one outcome and that is either Alice gets all the Bitcoin or Bob gets all the Bitcoin, but that's decided via the outcome of a clarity smart contract. So just wanted to clarify that um, if that wasn't um, inherently obvious since we didn't really kind of speak about the two sides of the DLC. Um, and then uh, I guess, Kyle, could you, um, yeah, I guess about the lightning, what was your question yeah, again lightning. with that? Yeah, you mentioned yeah. with lightning, there were some different challenges that you were experiencing and just things were slightly different than that as opposed to stacks when we were talking about the multiple Bitcoin layers uh, that exist out there. Yeah, I, you know, I would actually, I would rephrase, and I wouldn't say it's a, a challenge. I think it's actually more of a an opportunity. Um, Lightning presents a a different flavor of um, privacy when it comes to moving Bitcoin around, um, and so I think that with 
anything to do with a DLC on the native Bitcoin blockchain, you have to incur those high gas fees to have those transactions, um, those those opening and closing transactions included in a block. Whereas if you did it on Lightning, if you have two parties that have uh, you know Lightning liquidity or a channel open, then it simply becomes that Lightning fee in order to open and close, which is much much slow, which is much much more cheaper. And also faster, almost instantaneous, since it happens off chain. So, as far as how that would relate to uh, DLCs, is it, it kind of brings in the whole question of what the Lightning community is working on right now of how do we solve that problem of modeling Lightning liquidity fees, right? If I want to send you some Bitcoin on a Lightning channel or through the Lightning network, you, me and you have to speak to one another. And that, if I have to move a large amount of money, um, you know, the way that money gets from me to you is routed that's the current problem or the current challenge that um, the lightning network is solving now so if we can start to you know we're, we're working very closely with some lightning partners and and large companies that want to do things on lightning because of its privacy and off-chain capabilities um as further technical advancements in how we model or how transactions happen on the lightning uh, on the lightning network um dlcs are really just a plug and play there too it's just again instead of a native bitcoin transaction being moved with an oracle testing to where it's going that happens between two partners on on the lightning network but because the lightning network isn't a um i i guess because it's off chain the the signing is a little bit different and um you know what you what who is capable of seeing those transactions is different than where a stack sees public bitcoin transactions you know got it uh thank you uh, for that as well and i want to pose a question to all uh, use cases on where some additional use cases where dlcs are in place currently that we haven't maybe yet talked about but also could be in the future i know that Matt and Aki have talked in the past about uh, lending to various types of auctions, whether that be NFTs or otherwise DAOs, also around synthetic and real world assets. But um, Maneeb, Brittany, and Jason would love to hear from each of you some additional use cases where you're excited to see DLCs come out into the future that we haven't seen to give some of those in the audience some ideas and maybe even some potential applicate those who would like to apply for a grant in the future as well. I think, I don't know how publicly uh, the Archidico team has talked about their ideas, but um, they're, that's, a, that's a very interesting one if people are not, not familiar, familiar with it. I can, I can give, give a high level, right? So it's basically right now on Archidico, uh, what people could do is that you're locking up STX to mint a stablecoin, uh, and with DLCs, you could actually have a Bitcoin collateralized stablecoin, and you could try to do like native Bitcoin transactions, and you're minting a stablecoin that way. And you can you can imagine you know how powerful a Bitcoin backed stablecoin can be, and the clarity contracts on the stacks layer. Combined with DLCs can, can, can potentially enable that. Like it. Uh, Brittany, Jason, any additional use cases you'd like to see DLCs at, implemented into future applications or just, uh, again, use cases that we haven't yet discussed today? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it'd be worth uh, expanding a little bit on, on what we were thinking and, and kind of the outline of what we were looking at, but with the, you know, to do some sort of daily auction or some sort of interaction, even with CityCoin's mining, to where just a normal Bitcoiner can participate. And I see a few valuable ways to do that, um, but what's most interesting to me, too, is you could design this in a way that would allow a Bitcoiner to participate and only come over to Stacks when something significant happens on that side, say, minting an NFT or something similar. So you're opening up your exposure and you're able to allow people with Bitcoin to try something out, which I think is pretty cool. And if they want to come further into, um, you know, what's possible with Stack Smart Contracts and some of what we have uh, on the application side on this side of things, it, it provides like a nice on-ramp to, to getting there. So, you know, when I, when I look at our ideas, like that's the main thing I think of is like, how can I bring more people into this experience without having them to go through a multi-step process to get started? I 
like it. And, and just for the audience, uh, we are going to have a few minutes here for questions. So if you do have a question, go ahead and request uh, to be brought up on stage and we'll do our best to, to get as many as we can. Um, Aki, Matt, any additional use cases we should be excited about here in the next uh, coming weeks? And then I have a bigger question for both of you as well around the roadmap and what's to come. But any exciting use cases you can kind of tease out for us today or give those out there ideas of what to start building on? Yeah, um, for, for one that's coming out soon, there was a very interesting company in the pre-accelerator that is looking at real world assets. Uh, and, and, and there's a tremendous application similar to what Munib mentioned about a, a Bitcoin-backed stablecoin and Bitcoin-backed tokens. Uh, there, there's just a lot of opportunity there. And then just more, you know, more broadly looking forward, I think the, you know, our vision is that Bitcoin, anyone who holds Bitcoin will want to use Bitcoin apps and use Bitcoin in those apps, but they will want to, you know, enjoy all the utility of, of any application, anything that's been developed anywhere. And so, you know, knowing that crypto has a tremendous, you know, on-ramp, on-ramp problem and learning curve, you know, in general, the ability to build, you know, super powerful, you know, apps and super powerful Bitcoin wallets over the coming years is it really does, you know, unlock a, a much easier user experience than anything, you know, we could imagine otherwise. So just that's kind of the, the you know, the, the long-term uh, goal of this. And speaking, oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, I don't, I'm not too sure about the, the coming weeks, but, you know, I feel like every day we hear of new ideas being um, brought up in the DLC uh, Discord or the Stacks Discord or the Architico channel, um, just about what, what you can do or what people's imagination to um, of having this, uh, this, this escrow ability or this ability to kind of program or have a smart contract orchestrate a Bitcoin movement. Um, things like gaming, I know, will be in the future very, very huge. If you could imagine yourself playing a chess game against someone for fun, but putting a little Bitcoin behind it, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's there's obviously an avenue for that. And we've had pre-accelerators and other um, stacks uh, companies um, that are trying to develop gaming um, with Bitcoin and stacks, um, you know, being say, hey, yeah, I think our user would use that, you know. So I, I think I'm very optimistic in that we've only scratched the surface of what's capable here. Um, and as the users, as the market, as, you know, the developers kind of take to understanding what DLCs are and see the capabilities of what we can do with them, I think, you know, the, the, the potential to see many more applications and use cases that we haven't even thought of yet come about rather quickly. And just for context for everybody, the pre-accelerator that both Matt and Aki are referring to is the startup lab, a part of Stacks Ventures and also a part of the Stacks Accelerator program as well. So just for, for context, um, Matt, Aki, what does the roadmap look like for DLC Link uh, in the second half of this year? We've, we've got a little bit of activity we've been teasing out, but more importantly, what's to come? What can we expect both as a community, but also as builders? Uh, when we look to begin implementing DLCs in some way into our applications or into other things that we're building. Yep, and I'll just keep it real short to, to leave time for questions. So um, right now we have a centralized Oracle service that will let you open and close DLCs on Clarity. We'll be looking to, of course, you know, explore decentralizing it. So that's one of, you know, just one of our goals. Um, we're also looking to offer some free kind of Oracle API calls uh, that uh, we'll have that on our website at some point so that it's just easy to pick it up and you can start coding. And then just the, the wallet question is, is huge. Um, we're looking to have just a, a first, uh, it'll probably be a Chrome extension, which will also kind of make it a little bit easier to eventually build that flow into Hero Wallet. Uh, but then at some point we'll have a mobile app as well uh, that can support this, and then we'll be, you know, looking to build it into more and more wallets. Awesome, lots to come. Uh, Bowtie Cheetah, you are on stage. I think you have a question. Yep. What's up, guys? How are you doing? Uh, you guys, how are you doing? You guys mentioned you guys just uh, wanted to start on stacks. Uh, is so there was probably a possibility to start somewhere else. I want to know if the DLC contracts. 
require stacks or would uh, EVM type chain be able to use uh, the DLC log in the future for them to create their own Bitcoin apps? Yeah, so one of the great things about DLC is that it really can be used on any chain. We also have a Solidity contract in our GitHub uh, just to get, you know, provide that as an option. Uh, so we really see DLCs as a general kind of technology opening up a lot of utility um, in many places. But just as, as was mentioned earlier, Stacks has some unique advantages and capabilities that make it a little bit more maybe powerful uh, for this kind of use. And, and, and certainly the audience that we're serving here with these applications too is, is just more comfortable in you know, using Bitcoin for you know, various, uh, in various uh, you know, ways. Um, but, but it really, we, we, try to th we tend to think of this as we're incubating at Stacks and Stacks is kind of first position with us uh, because of all the, you know, the, the immediate utility and the tremendous fit. But we really would like to see DLCs, you know, used broadly because it's just going to bring a lot more opportunities to Bitcoiners. Yeah, I think I think it's a great question, and maybe I'll chime in a little as well. So, if you look at you know, like you know both, I would say DLCs, but even Lightning, there's no like technical reason why these things only work on Bitcoin. Right? In fact, the first Lightning transactions um, actually happen on Litecoin. And Lightning can work on any chain as well. I think the, the reason why things like Lightning or DLCs become more interesting uh, in the Bitcoin ecosystem is because the Bitcoin base layer is very, very simple, right? So if you are going to another chain, uh, you already have more options because if you have full, fully expressive smart contracts at the base layer, then you might be able to do certain uh, certain other things there as well, right? So it's a little bit like the con the constraints, which are actually a good thing at the Bitcoin base there, make solutions like Lightning or DLCs more interesting in the in the Bitcoin ecosystem. And frankly, like I think they can be a great way to link uh, Bitcoin to other chains as well. And I think there there might be a lot of applications like that. As far as like the Stacks layer is concerned. Um, I think Aki kind of like uh, alluded to this as well. There, there are two kind of like the reasons. One is because Clarity can read the Bitcoin transactions. So that enables certain functionality. And the second thing is, I think, mostly targeting the right group of developers. If, if Lightning or DLCs can work in any chain, but you're looking at people who want to do interesting things around Bitcoin, I think this is probably like a good place uh, to introduce the technology so that developers can, can do interesting things with it. All right, Seth, welcome to the stage. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for allowing me to speak. Um, cool question. So um, I'm working on a similar project in my startup, but it's not DLC. So my question is, during our testing and working with customers, transaction fees is really important. And what we, what we found out, because we support uh, both BTC and Ethereum, is Ethereum gas fees is... Um, getting higher when network is congested with smart contracts and NFTs. Um, I heard the person was talking about Lightning. Um, when would the implementation of Lightning is going to happen? Because to be honest with you, sometimes like with transactions, like if we want to compete with the centralized system, um, it's really important for businesses or even games to have the lowest fees. Um, so I was just wondering, um, how do you approach that from, you know, do, doing everything on the layer one Bitcoin? Because uh, at least to the customers that we talk to, there's a lot of things um, in terms of fees is really important. Um, the second thing is my question would be, um, how do we get involved with the stacks? Um, we do stuff off chain, but um, I think it's interesting. Uh, we are interested in stacks and DLCs for some use cases. Um, yeah. I would just say, so find us after, you know, tweet at us. We'd love to, you know, sit with you and walk through your use case and better understand, um, you know, how you are, are using uh, Bitcoin and what could be done. Um, with respect to the good thing about a DLC transaction, depending on what you're, how you're designing your application, but with DLCs, there really are, are two transactions that 
you know, um, opening and closing so that um, hopefully the, the fees are lower compared to the, the value being delivered. Um, with respect to Lightning, it's, it's definitely an open uh, topic in the DLC communities as well. Um, it is, um, it's just because Lightning is, is, is different on many levels. Uh, but I think that just based on some of the conversations we've actually had recently, with some larger groups, um, I think that there are going to be a lot more kind of lightning enabled capabilities next year. It's certainly on the roadmap of a lot of you know important players, uh, and we'll we're, we'll be following that as quickly as possible. So um, I, I can't uh, make any hard commitments, but but I think next year we'll 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 see something. Awesome. Well, Aki, Matt, thank you both very much uh, for the time today and diving deep into discrete log contracts or DLCs. Uh, where can everyone go to learn more uh, and where can they connect with both of you around DLCs if they're looking to work, integrate, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. Find us on Twitter or dlc.link um, or um, we, uh, we, there's a DLC channel in the Stacks Discord. Um, but uh, yeah, th those are probably the best. Or you can just email us, aki at dlc.link or matt.dlc.link. Wonderful. And big thank you as well to special guest, Jason, from the City Coins community and also Freehold. Also, thank you, Manid, Patrick, and Brittany as well for joining us today. Also, if you are considering to build anything around DLCs, integrate into DLCs, make sure to check out the Stacks Foundation and their grants program. There may or may not be some open grants out there that uh, you might be able to take advantage of if you're new to the community or building within. Uh, with that being said, thank you all for tuning in to this week's Cryptonet show. If you would like to tune in live, ask questions, or join the conversation, be sure to follow Stacks on Twitter and tune in every week at 5 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. Until next time, I'm your host, Kyle Ellicott of Stacks Ventures. Everyone have a great day, great evening, and great week. Take care, everybody.